This episode of the Fresh Start Family Show is brought to you by our Quick Start Learning Bundle, how to build a compassionate, firm, and kind discipline toolkit that works with kids of all ages. Head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your Quick Start Bundle so you can get going today on building up a strong, compassionate, disciplined toolkit in your home. Well, hello, listeners. I'm so happy you are here for a new episode. I'm your host, Wendy Snyder, positive parenting educator and family life coach. And today's episode is with Wime Uguta, who is just incredible. And we are talking all about how we can not raise emotional eaters. And Wime is just one of the sweetest women I've ever met, and she is just wise when it comes to this topic. She is on a mission to help moms thrive in the chaos that is motherhood by simplifying all things food, body image, and feeding kids. As a mom of three, she's very passionate about helping women leverage the power of their minds to let go of dieting, heal their relationship with food and body, and raise children who are healthy, confident eaters. She's also the host of the Thriving Mum podcast and coach at Olive and Bliss Wellness. And I met Wime when I was on her show, The Thriving Mom Podcast. We'll make sure that we link that for you. But Wime and I really connected on that episode I did with her because we talked about, y'all know, my favorite subject to speak on, one of my favorite subjects. We talked about parenting the strong-willed child with dignity and respect. So I'll make sure that we link that episode that we did where I was interviewed on Wime's show, The Thriving Mom Podcast, because it really was a great show. But today we are talking about this idea of how to not raise an emotional eater. And this episode is really special to me, guys, because you may or may not have heard me talk about how this is been a big journey for me over the last year or two, as I realized that I definitely have some components in my life that include emotional eating and drinking, and I've been doing a lot to get support in this area. And it just has been at the front of my mind to really, as I've become aware of some of the things that I do that you'll hear me speak to, I I tell some pretty personal stories and examples in this episode, but what I've become aware of is that I really want to make sure that I'm looking at what I'm modeling for my children. And so to hear Huime's guidance and her wisdom on this subject was just really special for me. And I know you guys are going to love it too, especially as we go into the holidays, right? I think if we were to all go back in time, we, one of our wishes, right, would just to be, just to be raised in a way where we we were taught how to have really healthy relationships with food, to not use food and drink as a way to numb or kill emotions or not really deal with stuff that we're going through, but instead just as a way to nourish our body and a way to enjoy life a little bit, right? So you're going to hear us today talk about how we can really create safety for ourselves as we are mothering or fathering or or raising these beautiful children of ours by paying off our emotional debts. And you're going to hear we may talk to that. You'll hear us talk about how we can adopt a neutral approach to food and drink, really like taking the morality out of food. You'll hear us speak to creating safety for our kids when it comes to eating and drinking, as well as modeling the culture of eating and drinking the things we want for our family, and then also the importance of staying curious about our kiddos' relationships with food and drink. So 
I know that you guys are just going to really love this episode. And as we head into the holidays, let's prioritize this. Let's really make sure that we are putting some intention and purpose behind what we say in front of our kids, what we do, the things we say about ourselves and our own bodies and all that good stuff, you guys. So without further ado, help me welcome We Made to the Show and enjoy this episode. Well, hey there, I'm Stella. Welcome to my mom and dad's podcast, The Fresh Start Family Show. We're so happy you're here. We're inspired by the ocean, Jesus, and rock and roll, and believe deeply in the true power of love and kindness. Together, we hope to inspire you to expand your heart, learn new tools, and strengthen your family. Enjoy the show. Well, hello there, listeners, and welcome to a new episode of the Fresh Start Family Show. I'm really excited to be here with Wime Oguta this morning, who is a life and nutrition coach for moms. Good morning, Wime. Morning, Wendy. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to be chatting with you. Today, we are going to be talking, parents, about how we can not raise an emotional eater. And I'm just really excited to kind of gleam from your wisdom, we may, because, you know, there's definitely bits as I've shared with you. We've chatted, we chatted for your show before, for your podcast. And then we've chatted back, kind of back and forth sometimes on Instagram. And I've shared that I've been on my own personal journey with kind of trying to figure out how to have less emotional eating and drinking in my life. And now I kind of see some things in my kids here and there that I'm like, oh, I want to make sure that I'm coming at this from an empowered, connected, compassionate stance. And I just know you're going to have so many beautiful things to share with us today. So thank you for being here. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited. I can't wait to get... Yes. Okay. Well, I told the listeners a little bit about you before we started recording, but will you take a moment, we may, to tell us about your story? What caused you to want to become a life and health coach for moms? What got you here? What does your journey look like? Of course, tell us how many kids you have and about life as a mom for you these days, but just take a few minutes to tell listeners all about you and and your story. Absolutely. Thank you. And It's so funny that you asked that question because I have so many facets to my story, but today, because we're talking about emotional eating and how not to raise an emotional eater, I would just focus on just growing up and always feeling like I didn't belong. Obviously, I was really a small human (laughs) compared to a lot of my peers. So from a young age, food was actually a big struggle for me. I was very hesitant to try new things. I Now that I think back at it, because I'm an adult and I can tell what's happening, I do have sensitivity issues with like texture and things like that. So back then it was a big struggle for my mom and I grew up being called a picky eater. So as I've grown in my own journey, coming to Canada and actually having to deal with food cultures, right? Coming from Nigeria where the food was very different. And then I moved here and I had to figure out how to source for my own food and cook for myself. I found myself in this place where I was struggling to figure out where do I belong? First of all, in my body as a smaller person compared to other people who were my age or just in my community and also figuring out how do I relate with food? So I found out that I was really attached 
like food was a huge thing for me where when I was sad, when I was unhappy, when things were not going my way, it was food. If I was angry, I would cook. And there were times I would cook a lot of food living by myself. I couldn't even eat it by myself, but just to kind of help me with that emotional tension, I did that to release myself. And of course, as I've had kids trying to figure out where does picky eating kind of fit into this whole thing, I came upon this journey where I thought, you know what? There was nothing wrong with me. My mom did the best that she could. I just needed to figure out how I relate to food. And that's why my mission with the nutrition coaching for moms, a lot of moms come to me because their children are struggling. They don't know how to, you know, navigate those power struggles during meal times. And I show them so much compassion because I was once that kid. So then from my experience, I'm teaching them how they can relate to their children in those circumstances. Sometimes it's not even about the food. There's a lot more And we really work on starting from the meta view and going deep to say, okay, what's really happening here? It's not that you're a bad mom. It's not that you're a terrible mom or you don't have the skills. There are just some other things that your child needs from you and you need to be able to listen. So I did that with my first child. She was actually also considered picky, even though the doctor also called her fat. So I had to figure that out with her. Yes. It was a reminder with every appointment. She's too fat. She's too fat. You need to do something. So that really just like broke me. And I'm sure a lot of moms can relate to this where you feel like, well, that's just the way my child is. But then the doctor is saying this. So I really had to go through my own relearning with her and really learning to advocate for her size, but also having a lot of grace and compassion for myself that it's not anything I did it's not me being a bad mom. This is just the way my child is. And I'm glad to say she's 10 now. We've worked through that. But my other two kids haven't had to go through that. So my third child, who's four, she does not know what it looks like to restrict food. She doesn't know what it feels like to not have the food that she wants. She's just free. And the the difference is like night and day. So yeah, that's, that's the story. <laughs> so good. And how old are the three? How old are your three kiddos again? Boys, girls? I have three girls. One's 10, the other is eight. And my toddler is four years old. Four going on 10. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love it. Isn't it beautiful? We made that whatever your path you get led down, right? And I think it's so beautiful when people use, you know, what might've been, challenging or, you know, where we didn't feel like we belonged. And and I want to speak to that in a minute, but when we take that hardship part of our upbringing and then decide to do something to help others not have that same experience or have a, you know, a lightened experience, so to speak, I just think it's so beautiful. I love how you said the little one has never experienced some of the things that the older one did, right? Because we're Mm -hmm. learning, right? We're parents, we're human, and we're all just trying to figure it out with our oldest. But I know with my little guy is 11 and my older girl is 14. And it is such a cool reality when I look at him because he's never known anything other than positive parenting. Mm -hmm. And it is just cool, right? It's not to say that we should beat ourselves up for all the things we did <laughs> where, with the older ones, but it de- it's a really great feeling when you know when you're you know that you got to to give to this little human an experience that was different than you know what you grew up with, and that's really the definition of breaking the cycle, 
yes. right? Like breaking the chain. Like that's what it is. I mean, all the links, you know, they're they're there for, for that little one. So that's really cool. Awesome. And so now on a day-to-day basis with Olive and Bliss Wellness, that's the name of your company, right? Yes. Tell us a little bit about what you do on a day-to-day basis with moms and kids, because you're mostly working with moms, right? And I'm yes. I'm assuming that it's it's similar, right? Like as to my work where, you know, people always come to me and they're like, okay, my kids, my kids nuts, my kids misbehaving, like fix them. And I'm like, okay, sit down, get comfortable. <laughs> We're going to talk about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think, you know, most people are aware of that now with parenting, but some of them get caught by surprise and they're like, well, it's not me. That's the problem. It's them. But what do you do on a daily basis with your mamas? Absolutely. So right now I coach them through body image, intuitive eating, most of them come to me because they struggle with food. So it's almost like 50-50, 50% come because they're struggling with food and their bodies. The other 50 come because they can't get the child to sit still at the table. Mm-hmm. So we all just, everything for me culminates around our whole perception about motherhood. I think that's where it always comes from. We're trying so hard to be good moms. We're trying so hard to achieve balance. We're trying so hard to show this front that we've got it all figured out. So the work that we do, I really work on helping the moms see and become aware of the rules and expectations that they've bought into. And sometimes we think, you know, while we're growing up, we're taught to be pleasing. We're taught to, you know, follow along what everyone else is saying. And they're helpful sometimes, but when you grow up and you become a woman and you become a mom who is the CEO of her own home, now you have to create your own motherhood. You have to create your own system. So a lot of us get shocked. I I always say it's like this trigger moment. It's like, well, what do you mean? This is the way my mom did it. But then the way my mom did it doesn't work for my child, right? And your mom is not your child's mom. So then we work through a lot of the mindset work really uncovering those thoughts and beliefs and really getting down to the root of what is it that you really want for your children? What is it that you want for yourself as a mom? How do you want to feel in your day? And then we start creating these strategies and I teach them the skills. If if food and body is the biggest struggle, we work through on learning diet culture and getting rid of those thoughts that make you think, you know, you have to be a certain size. We work through the thought of, oh, your size is related to your health. If it's food and the children, we work through, okay, something that I teach my clients called the mealtime anxiety cycle, which is just a representation of how what we bring to the meal table will impact our children. So a lot of us don't think about that. Like we think, oh, it's just food, but it's not. If you come to the table and you have an agenda, it's almost like the kids can smell you. They might not be able to say it, but they'll know like my mom wants me to eat the vegetables. And sometimes we'll say like, you can't have candy or you can't have dessert. You need to finish this. So all of that builds anxiety in the child. And I really talk to my clients and teach them how to stop that cycle before it even starts. And it's always a process. So right now we work for six months and we just, every, every week we're coaching on those topics. We're bringing them. And the beauty of this is you're doing it in real time, right? Because we were so we're taught to go to school, you learn what the teacher regurgitates to you and you pass in life. There's nothing like that. Life is all about trying and doing different things and then going back and saying, well, that didn't work. 
how do I change it? Rather than, well, I need to fix things before they happen because you're not going to know. And the best way to build that skill is to do the thing. That's when you know, okay, maybe what I need is to tweak here a little bit and change that a little bit. And then it's going to work out. Oh, that makes so much sense. And what a beautiful service and how you, that's amazing. And I I was sharing with you before we recorded how I feel like this recording today is going to be, it's funny as I'm sitting here. I mean, my listeners know that I have a lot of emotion. I'm just like an emotional person. I always say that's a strength. It's beautiful. Emotion's not bad. It's good. I love emotion. Yeah. Emotion is welling in me. Man, it's funny because like there is like, you're right. There's so much underneath of it, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll share real quick what's going on in our home as we get into, we have about five points we're going to cover today that are so beautiful about how to not raise an emotional eater. But just know that as I'm listening today, I'm really just soaking this up and excited to take what you teach us and really implement into my home because there is, you know, there are some things <laughs> right now. So for me, over the last few years, you know, entrepreneurship, I know you know, and any anybody that's ever dabbled in entrepreneurship, holy smokes, it's both amazing and it's also. Ooh, it is a grind, right? Like you just have to have so much tenacity and grit and all the things, right? So the last two years combined with COVID, I realized we're just really, I was really starting to dabble in some emotional eating and drinking that <laughs> I was like, oh, two years later, I'm like, oh, I, I realized that I'm probably, you know, overdoing it on the Chardonnay and overdoing it on the Girl Scouts cookies. And it was just new to me because I had never... I always said that I I was blessed to grow up where my parents never mentioned weight. They never, nothing was about weight or being skinny, but I went through a season where I was a big kid. Let's chat for a hot sec, openly and honestly about what your discipline toolkit looks like in your home right now. If you're anything like most parents, you're relying on the hand-me-down set you inherited. Timeouts, spankings, threatening of spankings, taking iPads away, three, two, one countdowns, groundings, taking away toys, e-bikes, iPhones, any or all of those kind of tactics that create a total relationship strain and don't even work long-term to end your child's misbehavior for good. Meaning you might spank your child or send them to timeout today for being air quotes mean to their sister or disrespecting you, but then three days from now, they're repeating the same misbehavior, which causes you to flip your lid because you know they know better. I want to help you learn a new way so you can end the vicious cycle that's keeping you stuck as a parent and causing you to feel super frustrated that nothing is working to get your strong-willed, stubborn child to behave better. My team and I have recently completely refreshed our Compassionate Discipline Quick Start Learning Bundle to help you learn a new way to teach your kids important life lessons, a new way to help your children learn from their mistakes and take responsibility for their actions. You can just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, and I'll personally send you a message with a link to download this free bundle. 
I'm going to help you shift out of a punishment mindset and into a compassionate discipline one where you fully trust that connection-based, firm and kind discipline tools are all you need to be a strong leader in your home who holds your kids responsible when they misbehave, but does it in a way where they are learning the vital life skills they are missing when they mess up. So again, just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free bundle now. I am so excited for you to shift out of feeling guilty and shameful when you lay your head on your pillow at night and shift into feeling confident and proud of the way you handled yourself as a parent, even when you were wildly triggered and upset about the mistake your child made. Okay, I'm excited for you to dive into this free resource. I'll see you in my DMs and inside the free discipline bundle. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So in probably third, fourth, fifth grade, I was a big kid. Like the kids on the springboard diving team would call me watermelon because we were like the Ashton alligators. We had green suits with stripes. And my girlfriend and I, like I remember my girlfriend Heidi and I would give each other boxes of candy bars, like full-blown t-shirt boxes of snicker bars. And that was just like, but I remember my parents never like said to me, Wendy, you're getting a little... You're you're pretty big. Like, I don't know if you're going to be able to dive as well. They just never, I just don't have that memory. My dad modeled really like healthy exercise, all the things. So as life went on, like things worked out and I grew and I became an athlete and learned how to, I think, take good care of myself and got really interested in health and nutrition and, and it all worked out. But the reason why I tell this story is because now my little guy, who I always say is like, just like his daddy, they're like spitting images of each other. They have the same name. They're just same personality, these soft-hearted, just amazing men. And my daughter is very similar to me with like her strong will. But Taryn looks just like me when I was a little girl. And he has a tendency to like, he goes he eats a lot. Like he'll finish a bowl of pasta and then he'll be like, he'll go back and he'll be like, he's going to get another bowl of pasta or have one lunch and finish another lunch. And recently it's bubbled up where I'm like, Oh no, I feel scared that he's going to become really, really big. Or, you know, I think you just remember those, even though you look back and you're like, it wasn't a big deal to be called watermelon, whatever. It's like, you never want your child to go through that. You want your child to be healthy and happy in his body. And so lately we've been starting to have conversations and everything that you're talking about is so I'm like, okay, where do I have it? Where am I modeling it? Right? Like, where am I? Because I know one of the points we're going to talk about is model the culture of eating and drinking, or there's one in here that basically you had said, what matters is what you're showing your kids. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It doesn't matter what you're you're teaching them. What matters is what you're showing them. And I know on like, you know, a Friday night, if I go back in for that third glass of Chardonnay or something, I'm like, I have anxiety. I I know there's, there's stress. It's like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to stop it too. Or I don't want to go back for like the third round of cookies. And the good news is, is we had a conversation the other night and I feel like it went really well with him. And it was, had a very 
big sense of tone of like, hey, we're in this together. We're learning how to listen to our bodies. We're learning how to, because I've, you know, shared with you, I found some new things that are helping me listen to my body instead of the, you should do this, you should do that. And that's helping. And he really was responsive, but I just do not ever want to make him feel like something's wrong with his body or he, he needs to be fitter to be a good athlete or a great surfer, but it's, I can feel it's a lot right now for me. So just thank you. Because I'm figuring it out, right? Like I'm figuring it out and we're all going to be okay. But what, what you do is really just really important. We may. Thank you. And thank you for sharing that. I, I, I think what you're experiencing, a lot of moms can relate. And I'm just like sending you so much compassion because what you're feeling is real. The fear is normal. We live in a society that's very fat phobic. We live in a society that looks down on people whose bodies don't conform, right? Whatever the norm is. And these are always changing depending on whoever's holding the power. So as a parent, we know what that feels like, especially if we've been through that. It's scary to think why I won't always protect them. There are little babies and we want them to feel good. We want them to be happy. So I just want to say that that's normal and let's normalize that. The more we're willing to accept that this is how we feel, I feel like that just already starts opening up that conversation, right? Like if a child is like your son now and you're just saying, you know what, I feel really scared and I'm not sure how this conversation is going to go. I'm not even sure how to do, but we're in this together. That alone normalizes. It's like, oh, well, my mom is feeling scared. So it's okay. She she understands. She's with me. Even though you're not in the same body, that builds that connection. It opens up room for conversation to happen. So I'm really just like <laughs> shaking my head here. And I'm, I'm so happy that you said that. And one thing I wanted to say, like around that age, we undergo growth spurts, right? So we're in this space where a lot of us are developing for girls and females. We tend to gain a lot more weight than men and boys. And that's normal too. This is our body just saying, you know what? I'm ready to be an adult. And so many changes are happening. The issue then happens when a child is going through that phase and someone says something. So like for you, your parents, you were lucky enough that your parents were supportive. Other people, not so much. Like that's when the parents are like, well, you can't wear that. Or are you really going to eat that? So I think you're already in a good place where you're supporting him, even though you have your own anxiety and fear, which is normal. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's so not, it's like, there's work to be done because I know that there's this tone of like, honey, like, you know, that, that, like you said, they can smell it, right? Like you, you just had this huge pasta bowl and it's like, you know, you're like, there's a tone of like, before we had, I mean, we've had many conversations, but before we had this really good one the other day, it was just more of like a little bit of a tone, like you can't still be hungry or mm-hmm. like, come on, like we're chill, like just chill, you know, like just let your stomach settle. Like, come on. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's just not, there's, I'm listening and I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's just get into it. And I'm sure the converse, like it'll develop, but everything you shared, yes, the compassion piece, right? Like it doesn't have to be perfect, but as long as I think we're willing to continue 
because it's not like just one comment is going to scar them for the rest of their life. Like as long as you're there and you're willing to learn and support and grow with them, like you can continue to make imprints on the brain, right? Like you can Mm -hmm. continue to make it about health and wellness, not about weight and body, you know, but I'm figuring it out. Well, let's pop it. Like, let's hop right into the first point you have for us right now, which is create safety for yourself by paying off your emotional debt. What does this mean? I want to know more. (laughs) And and what I'm going to say one thing before you go into that is I really connect with your story about belonging because of course it was once I became a life coach and a parenting educator that I, I understood it. But when I look at my childhood, I always say I felt like an alien. Mm -hmm. I felt very, very, very different than my family. And I always did, always did still to this day a little bit. And so I don't know how that has to, what that has to do with emotional debt, but I just really related to that. So I can, I can sense how that was a lot behind a lot of the things that I got into, especially in my late teen years, which for us growing up near Washington, DC with my husband and I were together since we were, I was 17 partying was like the, that, that essentially, when I look back was the emotional eating, drinking, I put eating and drinking together. Mm -hmm. That was how you numbed the pain of not fitting in, in your home or having a jerk brother or like someone breaking up with you. It was, you go to a kegger on Friday night and you get wasted. (laughs) So it was definitely looking back. I'm like, Oh, that's how I numbed emotions because I never had anybody teaching me like, Oh, this is what it, you know, this is what this all is all about. So talk to us about paying off emotional debt. Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm sure you'll relate to this because part of this is also what you do when it comes to the parenting, but emotional debt is this concept that I developed. I think I was just coaching one of my clients about emotional eating. First of all, I want to say that emotional eating is not a good or bad thing. And we'll do dig into that some more, but it is just a circumstance. So we're the ones who get to decide, is this serving me or not? That's the bigger question rather than saying, how do I stop? Or this is not, you know, I want to not do it anymore. The question is, is it serving me or not? Right. So for me, I believe a lot of us who are socialized as women, especially moms, we walk around with this burden of the world on our shoulders. So you know, whether we feel like we belong or we're trying to meet a certain standard, we just walk around collecting all of this. And because the society has prescribed you, you must always be happy. You must always be smiling. All the positive emotions, everyone wants to shut out the negative ones. So we hide it. And as moms, because we're also responsible for children, we want our children to see us be happy. We want our children to see us always be on our best we walk around with that. And for me, I describe it as an accumulation of these emotions that we're afraid to express or acknowledge. And then they tend to be, you know, what's not appropriate by society. So we do everything to prevent ourselves from feeling them. When we feel them, we judge ourselves. And then we try to pay them off by doing more by pushing harder so that the thing we're doing will give us that positive emotion. It's almost like we're trying to withdraw the negative emotion by replacing it with positive ones. And all our bodies want us to do is just process, just give it space and allow because life is not always going to be positive all the time. There's the negative emotions, what we deem negative that want to express themselves. It's for instance, like a a client of mine who was stressed out about eating with her child. And she said, you know, sometimes I just feel so angry 
but I'm even ashamed to admit. And I said, why? You are angry. There's a reason why you're angry about your child not eating. How about we just acknowledge that that is what's happening right now? Doesn't mean anything about you as a mom. Doesn't mean anything about the love that you have for your child. You're a human with natural emotions. Let's acknowledge it. And she just started crying. Yeah, I she bet you like, get a lot of tears. <laughs> oh, you know, like in for her, it was the first time she actually admitted that this experience made her angry. And I said, now yeah. we've given room to let anger come out. And we need to ask anger, what are you trying to tell me in this moment? And then she started talking about, it wasn't even about the child. It was her mother-in-law would make comments about the child being too skinny. So if my child is skinny, that means I'm not feeding the child enough. That means I'm a bad mom. That's where the root was. So then we had to explore that. And then she started working. We then built the skill of, okay, if your child says she's not going to eat, say that's fine. Because what we found out was when she got angry because she was so working so hard to prevent it, she would withdraw her love at the dining table. Yep. She would shut down, no more conversations. It was just, let's just eat and move on. And yep. then when, when we went through all of this and her child said, I don't want to eat. And she's like, okay, fine. So the child left the table, came back an hour later and said, mom, you're not mad. She's like, no. And her daughter gave her a very big hug, went back to the table and ate her food. Yep. And we didn't need a new schedule. We didn't need to go make five different meals. It was just admitting that this makes me angry. And that opened up the room for whatever was underlying to come up. That is so beautiful. So the idea of paying off emotional debt is learning to process your emotions. And that is what reduces the debt, so to speak. Unless exactly. instead of letting it stack, 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 it's like, we, we know it's there. Look, as long as we go ahead and acknowledge and, and feel through the emotions instead of blocking them or resisting them, that's what gets us down to the, the neutral ground again. Exactly. And we're not trying to fill it with food or money or shopping. We're not trying to do this trading. It's like, we're, we're the ones who own the power to pay it off. Nobody else is going to do that. Nothing else is going to do that for us. Yep. Yeah. I can just, and it's, it's fun, man. It's not, it's not funny. It's a journey. It's just a journey. Right. Cause I, it's like, I know this concept, you say it so eloquently and, and beautiful and different than I've heard it before, but it's just so wild how in the moment it's tough, <laughs> but yes. I guess it doesn't always have to be in the moment. Right. Like For me, I mean, I mentioned the Girl Scout cookies, but a lot of times it is like the second or third glass of Sauvignon Blanc. I'm like a white wine. It's like my guilty pleasure. I love hats. I have a hat on today. (laughs) I love hats and white wine, but in the moment, like I'll know, I'll be like, Wendy, you're just, you're tired. You had a big day or you had, like we're telling you before we started recording, we had our website hack today. Like, how does that even happen? Like I had my website hack today. Like I've built, learned, I've spent my four years and my life savings building that website. And it was hacked this morning, like 10 minutes before we hopped on this. So I'll know in the moment, like, well, you should probably just go make a cup of tea instead of like feeling like you should numb out a little bit more. And then I still pour it, you know, or I'll still have the cookies. So what I'm getting is that it doesn't necessarily have to be in the moment, but as long as you maybe you're, you have a coach later to work through or a journaling process to just say, 
like, Hey, I wonder what was going on in that moment where I still, you know, went to something to fill and to like, to block the emotions. Cause anytime you're not stopping and saying, what is this feeling? Right. That just is a, that is a signal that you are emotional eating, right. Or drinking. Yeah. For the most part. And I think it's something that you said there where it's like, it doesn't have to be in that moment. Right. So for a lot of us, we think if I let it, then it's going to overtake me. I have to spend hours and hours processing this emotion, Mm. but no, there's a whole lot of things happening with the processing, even just recognizing like, how am I feeling right now? I'm very angry. Okay. I don't have the time, but I notice I'm angry. You've told your brain when this thing that just happened happens, it makes me feel angry. So then later in your day, whether you have a journaling practice, or I also teach my clients how to self-coach, you can just sit back and say, okay, what is it about that situation that triggered Mm. me? Right? So even though it happened, you can still go and eat the food. You can still go and drink whatever, because in that moment you need soothing. Right. And for some of us, that's the one thing that's going to help. But this is the caveat I always use. You don't get to feel guilty about it. Mm. So what makes it really terrible for us (laughs) is we pile on shame and guilt. Oh, my gosh. It's so true. Oh, and that's the problem because shame is what stops us from making changes tomorrow. Exactly. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is so good. I just want to like ball on your shoulder right now, but I'm not going to. I have a live stream right after this. Yes, that makes sense. And what I'm what I'm realizing now, and I'll just say it out loud so people can hear my own personal. So in that Mm -hmm. moment, I think if I even if I pour, you know, the second glass of Chardonnay, if it's a Tuesday night and I'm like, I said, I was just like, I just want to have one. Like, I just want to have one when I cook dinner. Right. I don't want to numb out the emotions. If I just were to say in that moment, I just feel scared. And my big thing I've realized is that I'm not going to be able to relax. Mm. And I think it's scared or it could be angry, right? Like angry. If I have like maybe a team member who dropped the ball and, not that I get angry at my team members, but I mean, like if something happens and I'm like, oh gosh, darn it. I thought we had covered that. Or like a lot of it is like, I realize is this, the fear that I'm not going to be able to relax. Mm-hmm. I think just acknowledging it in that moment or like something around fear around like, oh my gosh, I've built a business that I'm never going to not be able to work 80 hours a week. <laughs> but again, just saying, okay, I feel scared and that's okay. Instead of like right now, nine out of 10 times, I never stop. I actually will stop myself. I'll say to myself, like, oh, you should slow down and, and feel. And then really quickly within like two seconds, I'll be like, no, 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 it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. that's that's your inner rebel coming out because you just yeah. gave it a rule where you said, I should. Yes. And right away, your brain is like, no, no oh. one's going to tell us what to do. We're just going to drink it. Yes, because we may, I am the strongest willed child on the planet. That's why. There the you go. Fall far. <laughs> The should, that is such a good point. Yeah, us who have that beautiful, strong will that gives us the courage to be entrepreneurs often or be leaders of some sort. You're right. We will, oh, so good. Okay, you guys, we we gotta move on to number two. All right, (laughs) adopt a neutral approach to food and drink. Take the morality out of food, no good or bad. Yes, so this is tied to what we just talked about, right? So there are a lot of us who have grown up maybe in diet culture where it's like, this food is good to eat. That food is bad for you. And then, you know, this is what you need to eat to be healthy. But at the end of the day, all foods fit. If you approach food in a neutral way, 
you will find room for all the foods to fit. And that again comes from the mindset, right? So if you're thinking this food is bad for me, or I shouldn't, where you have a lot of rules, then when it comes to the food and when it comes to the drinking and you're feeling very emotional in that moment, you then become the food police. So the food police is this thought or kind of like a persona that you have that brings the rules down about food. And most of us, this is a term in intuitive eating. Most of us have this food police within us. So as children, maybe there were people who said that if people didn't say it, you read it in the newspaper or you've probably heard it somewhere. So you built that thought in your head. And then when it comes to times when you're most vulnerable, like I'm feeling emotional, I just want another glass, the food police shows up. So Mm -hmm. our job is to say, I'm willing to adopt a neutral approach to food. And that doesn't mean go out and buy all the foods because I know a lot of us have fears like, oh, if I allow myself to eat, then that means I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to want to eat pizza and donuts all the time. No, no, no. We do it gently, just with everything else in life. We take one day at a time. What is the one food that I haven't been allowing myself to eat? And how can I create space for my body to feel safe around this food? For a lot of us, it's ice cream and popcorn when we're feeling emotional. For me, it's brownies and ice cream, right? So there was a time I would never let myself because I'm like, if I eat it, I'll eat it all the time. But no, if I can learn to acknowledge that it's okay for me to have this food, how would I approach it? And I can eat it whenever I want. So then that relaxes that sense of urgency and scarcity around that food. So for me, it's interesting because there's like this different layer of, I've always had this very sensitive body. I get a lot of headaches. I have like a lot of what appears to be inflammation around a lot of sports injuries. I've had six surgeries and shoulders and knees and elbows and all these things. So I love to experiment with like anti-inflammatory type of eating plans. Mm -hmm. But what I'm learning from you is that all the times that I do like say like, go out, go off what I normally eat because I, what I normally eat, I love it the way it makes me feel like I'll wake up and I can walk down the stairs and my knees don't ache and stuff like that. But if I go out on date night and I have some things, if I'm like telling myself, Oh, you shouldn't do this, but which I do, I'm like, you shouldn't do this, but whatever effort is normally what I say to myself. Mm -hmm. And then the next day I kind of beat myself up. And when I feel my knees or three days later, if I feel my knees, I'm like, well, that's because you're not good enough. There's levels of that. Yes. So like slowing it down and just bringing in the compassion. And basically it's like, there's, you can do whatever you want. I can do whatever I want. And I get to decide if it makes me feel good or it makes me feel bad. But right now, this is just what I chose to do. And in the moment, it made like that's going to help me settle and then be more likely to choose possibly a different path if I want to in the future. Exactly. And of course, like you said, there's so many layers. So it's not just like a one and done thing. But one thing I wanted to touch on that you said, you said, I eat those feels food and they make me feel good. This is where a lot of us forget, right? We eat and we're like, well, that's what the doctor said to eat. Well, that's what my coach said. But what feels good to you? So if I know that these are the foods that make me feel good, but I still want to eat that other food, how can I allow it? So I'll give you an instance. I'm lactose intolerant, but I don't like lactose-free ice cream. (laughs) Yes. So I will eat the regular ice cream. And over the years... I've learned that if I have one scoop, there's a particular brand I like. If I have one scoop of that, I'm good. 
If I have two, tummy ache and all the runs are coming that night. Yeah. So I've learned like, it's not like I force myself not to have a second one. I just say, you know what? I know one scoop is good enough for me. If I have two, this is what's going to happen. Like I I know that because my body knows. Do I want to yeah. take that chance? And there are days when I will do the two scoops and I'm like, you know what? This happened. I still come back to that compassion and love, not waking up the next day, like you said, with the shame spiral, because then the shame just blocks us from even taking the chance to say, okay, how can I work through this? Gosh, that's so beautiful. Okay. I'm going to keep practice at implementing that compassion. Okay. (laughs) Talk to us about creating safety for our kids when it comes to eating and drinking. This again is so important important to me, especially looking at you know, what's happening and the words I'm using and the tone that I'm using with Taryn right now. Mm -hmm. Tell us more. Yeah. So this goes back to that mealtime anxiety cycle I was telling you about. It's almost like the diet cycle. So the children will come to the table. Let's say it's dinner time. Parents, we have our thoughts. We have our perspectives. We have expectations of what dinner time should look like, right? So some some of us feel children should always be seated. They should never roll their eyes. Their feet should be planted on the ground. Like we have all these things that we've learned growing up and we come to the meal table and all of a sudden your child is like, no, I don't want to eat. I want to sit on the, on the table. I had my daughter for like six months when she was two years old, she would squat on the table. That's how she wanted to eat. (laughs) There was no sitting for her. It was convenient, right? So we have all these thoughts and the issue happens when we come and we don't take the time to learn from our children. We try to push back on their behavior right away. Their fight, flight, or freeze cycle kicks in. At that time, their body isn't looking to eat. Their body is looking to run or freeze, right? Or fight. Right? So then it's like their body is trying to create safety. And the more we push, the more they push back or the behavior kind of evolves. So if it's a child who's like a people pleaser like me, she might eat the food just Mm -hmm. so she can get out of that cycle and feel safe again. But if there's a strong-willed child who... It's like, nope, I'm not going to eat. Guess what happens? The parent intensifies the behavior. You have to eat. Or they start with the guilt and shame, or they try maybe an iPad and they just like do whatever they can to get the child to eat. And then sometimes meal doesn't happen or the child doesn't look forward to meal. So I always remind parents, there's a lot more to meal times than just eating. Families, I have a question for you. Would you love to be able to set really strong boundaries and rules with your children and then follow through with consistency and firm kindness? If yes, listen up. I have a program called the Firm and Kind Parenting Blueprint that I'd love for you to go check out. You can learn more over at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. Inside of this quick, easy to finish program, I'll teach you four steps to really setting those strong roles, but then following through in a way where you're using connection and firm kindness. 
And what I'll teach you will actually cause your children to want to cooperate with you because they truly respect you and value the rule and the boundary and understand how it serves them, not just something that they have to do or else. And it's just an incredible feeling when you go to bed at night knowing that you followed through on the rules and the strong boundaries in your home without relying on hand-me-down parenting tactics like fear, force, threats, yelling, harsh punishments that really create usually fear in your household, right? We want our children to listen to us because they respect us and because they understand why being part of the team, cooperating well, respecting rules, all those things, why that feels good as a human being. We want to do those things um, in ways that cause our children to want to respect us, not just because they're scared of us or a consequence. And that's exactly what I'm going to teach you inside this program. So again, head on over to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind to learn more. But in under an hour, this program will teach you some really effective strategies on how to create agreements with your kids instead of compliance statements, which is where a lot of parents go wrong and why their children don't end up respecting the rules or the agreements that they've made. And then I'm going to teach you how to use empathy. I'll teach you how to engage your kids' critical thinking skills when you tell them to do something and they say no. And then I'm also going to encourage you to understand how to empower your children. When children feel empowered, especially strong-willed kids, they will cooperate a whole heck of a lot easier, okay? So I want you to go learn about this program and let me you know if you have any questions, freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. For some of us who work outside the home, it might be the only time your child gets to sit with you and they might want to connect. Is that maybe that's what they're trying to tell you through their behavior? If you're always focused on the food, then you're going to miss all of that. Like I have a lot of clients that I coach and many of them, this is where their issues started from. It was like, well, food was just like five minutes, eat and we're done. Mm. So there was no room for communicating. And I know it's not ideal for everyone to sit together, but what can you do? If you're a mom and that time makes you anxious because your children are always asking for things and you don't get to eat, you don't have to eat with them, but do you want to sit with them and just have a conversation? right? Because then you're filling their own tank of whatever it is that they need in that moment. And they can feel comfortable and food time feels safe. When food and eating feels safe for children, they're more likely to want to eat. So that's what that's all about. I love that. Because I I do hear, especially when the kids are younger, right? There are so many parents who struggle to get their kids to eat. And then here I am on the, because we have a little cousin like that. He's his, his mama has tried so many things, you know, Mm -hmm. and still is on a journey to help him, help him be able to eat. They're they're on a journey. And then here I am over here with like the opposite, right? Like ever since my little guy was little, I mean, he just loved, loved it. Like (laughs) more and more and more and more and more and more and more. Right. So it's just interesting how it's a different, like we're, I'm just brainstorming, like, how can I create the safety? Mm -hmm. Because for a lot of people, it's like eat more. And here I am over here, like bringing in these messages of like, stop eating, eat less. Like you should be hungry, eat more water. Now add fruit. If you're still hungry, give it 20 minutes, you know? So it's like, I'm playing around with these messages and making sure that whatever, I think it's, maybe it's this, it comes down to the tone, right? Like the story in your head 
if you're like telling your child, Hey, let's give it 20 minutes. Let's have a little water. And then if we're still hungry, we can go in and make some fruit and honey or whatever. And your story is like, Hey, I'm going to teach in your head is like, Hey, I would, I want, I am invested and committed to learning alongside my child, how to listen to our body and nurture ourselves and like all the things, like if that's in your head and that's your story, that's different than, Oh my gosh, I'm scared that he's going to like gain a bunch of weight, never be able to come back or, Oh my gosh, this is like, what's wrong with him? Like, if that's the message in my head that I'm listening to and engaging with, then my tone is going to come out different, which will create non-safety for him. Mm -hmm. Would that be accurate? We may. Yeah, I I think so. And also even the positive side, like when parents are like, oh, look, you ate your food. That's also a form of pressure because guess what? Next time they want to impress you as well. So if the parents is on the opposite side where the child is always eating, having, making that comment of, do you still want more could also be a form of pressure for them. I always just remind us that, you know what? Our children's bodies know exactly what to do with the food that they're eating. Right. So if there, there's nothing medically wrong, there will be those moments where they just want to eat and sometimes let them. And then we can just bring up a conversation like, oh, I noticed that you just love eating this much. Tell me about that. Right. We're just having a conversation. We're not trying to talk about health. We're not trying to talk about, oh, you're no. We're just saying, Let, let's talk about that. And sometimes some children, you'll notice it's like, oh yeah, the food is really the comfort for them because throughout the day, there's been so much happening that they just need that food. My daughter went through that as well. I think two summers or maybe four summers ago when we moved and I found out it was actually the the stress and anxiety of moving that caused her to really just want to eat all the time. So we talked about that. Okay, well, how can we find other ways to process those emotions? But it came from that place of trusting that their body knows exactly what to do. So even if the body just wants them to keep eating, I'm not going to interfere with that because at the end Mm. of the day, the body will know how to work around that and they will land at the weight that their body needs to be at. Mm, Here's my question. My little devil's advocate is going off. I'm like, absolutely. gosh, I'm going to challenge Weeby here. (laughs) Darn it. I got to do it. And okay, but here's here's my fear that, I feel like sometimes as humans, we get into a habit of not listening to our body. So our body knows what to do. Our body knows to stop. And I'm just learning this at 45. I mean, I just started learning this, that oftentimes I go past full mm-hmm. and I never realized it until I started monitoring it and realizing like, oh, my body's actually full now. And there's five bites left on my plate that I, I grew up a plate cleaner, Terry, Terry and I both, we joke that we're plate cleaners, but like it was never, and I, I never knew that you didn't have to finish your plate. Mm-hmm. So I'm learning at 45, how to like, listen to my body. Right. So, so I were, and I, I guess I shouldn't worry. I should just say, I want to teach him from a respectful way, mm-hmm. how to start listening to your body from a young age. Is that appropriate? I would say it depends on the child, Mm, right? Some children are more aware of their sensations than others. So I'm going to skip. He's almost 12 now. He's He's almost 12. 12. So we're getting into one of the other topics Mm -hmm. that I wanted to touch on. I'm just going to bring it here. And this is being staying curious about their relationship with food, Mm. right? So we're being curious. If we're curious, what are we asking? We're just saying, oh, I wonder what's going on here? Tell me more, 
right? These are the questions that are going to help us instead of thinking, well, how do I fix? Mm. More like, okay, what's happening, right? So if we're coming from, we're exploring rather than there's something that needs to be fixed, our approach is going to be different. And remember the child can smell our agenda, even if we don't say it. Right. So we really need to go back and think like, okay, what's going on in my mind now that I want to talk to my son about this? Why do I want to talk about it? And you keep asking why until you get to the root where it's like, oh, I see. That's why. Right. And then once you're clean in your thinking, then you can approach him with like, I'm just being curious. I noticed this and I'm concerned. Do you know what it feels like when you're full? Just so it's okay ask. to say concerned. Yeah, you can say okay. you're concerned, but then the question then becomes, why are you concerned, right? right. So this is where, where it gets challenging for parents because you start asking yourself those questions and you really want to get clear on why you're asking this question for him. Maybe, oh, I just want to know. And I'm learning new things like you're learning on your journey that sometimes we don't trust ourselves and we don't know when we're hungry and when we're full and we can eat past when we're full. Let's just talk about it. That opens up that room for conversation. Oh, it's so good. I I feel like I'm I'm not judging myself. I am looking at it. I'm like, okay, I did a lot of that. And I feel like I have a clear direction on where I want to massage my thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, I, like I'm so like I hang out with you and I'm like, I am not gonna judge myself. So I was about to say <laughs> change my thoughts. No, I'm just gonna massage. I'm just gonna try different thoughts. I'm gonna check in with myself. And there's one last thing that is on our list to cover. And then we'll make sure we end with listeners knowing where to find you. We may, cause you are just amazing, but talk to us real quick about modeling the culture of eating and drinking you want for your family, which probably is the most important one. Right? <laughs> I think we've kind of talked about that through this episode, yeah. just like you, so many of us are still working and doing this journey. I always come back to We can't teach our children. We can't get them to do anything. The best way that we can help our children grow up and have a healthy relationship with food is by modeling and modeling the whole range. Like I remember when the the pandemic happened and then we had shut down here and we opened back up and then we shut down again. My husband and I literally went out, bought brownies and we were like, Right now, we're feeling very emotional and we're going to eat this. And our kids were like, look at you guys, right? Like we showed them in that moment, we weren't going to feel ashamed about it. It's just what we needed to soothe us. So let your children see the range of your relationship with food. Today, I'm struggling and I feel like I needed the two glasses of wine to get me through, but that's okay. It's what I needed right now. Tomorrow, I get to try again, right? When our children see this part of us, because that's the part that nobody talks about. That's the part that gets hidden. So when our children feel like that's what they want, they hide it. And it becomes this overeating and emotional eating on this side. But it's almost like, well, I don't know what it feels like when I'm feeling stressed and I just want to have a bar of chocolate. So we have to model it. And then they judge. They judge themselves and then it gets worse and worse and worse. Exactly. That's how we break the cycle is let's just put it all out there and talk to our children. These are the conversations that'll help them to learn. Oh, when my mom did this, this is what happened. How do I want to engage with food? 
right? Instead of mm. reading something and we're like, oh, according to this doctor, you should not do this and this and this. And they're like, Psh. they already know how to do all that stuff from school. They're on social media. They're watching TV. Yeah. Things, diet culture is teaching our children every day how to relate with food. The best way we can teach them and get them to do whatever, which I know we can't do, is to model our behavior. That is so fascinating, Rime, because I would have never guessed that we should show and tell our children, like, look, we we were emotionally eating last night and that's okay. Like, I, that's so groundbreaking to me because you're right. Anything that's hidden is going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And then, and then when you, when you're hiding it, then you can, it's almost like a guaranteed that they're going to end up hiding something. Right. Yeah. So I can just so see like where we've done that, where we want to like teach them not to emotionally eat, but we do it by hiding the fact that we emotionally, and again, for Terry and I, you know, it's usually an extra beer or wine or whatever, but it's still, it's the same thing. Like it's, so I'm just so excited to apply everything that we've talked about. We may, I, I just feel so encouraged and inspired to, t- I'm going to listen to this again. <laughs> After the editor gets done with it, I'm going to listen to it again. Maybe I'll listen to it a few times, but just how encouraging. Thank you for taking time to be with us today. Will you tell listeners where they can find you and all the things? You're so welcome. And I'm so happy that we had this conversation. I think we need to be having more of these. So thank you for the opportunity to bring this into the light because we're all going through it. Like you said, it's a journey. And the more we talk about it, the more we realize that we're all in this together, the more we can build a community that supports children who will grow up and not have to do the same things that we did, right? So we're on a podcast. People can find me on the Thriving Mom podcast on all podcast players. I'm also on my website, oliveandbliss.ca. On Instagram and Facebook, I'm at oliveandblisswellness. And yeah, come and have a chat. Let me know what you learned and what you're applying and where's your little devil's advocate showing up. Let's talk about it. (laughs) Yes. And I don't know if you remember what episode I was on. Do you know the number? Probably not, but you could probably Google Fresh Start Family Show on Thriving Mom Podcast, but that might be fun for listeners too, to hear our conversation. I forget what we talked about, but I remember it was rich. It was the strong-willed child. (laughs) Yes. The strong-willed child. And how funny that that came out in our conversation today around, oh my gosh, going against ourselves, like the mm-hmm. rebel. How beautiful. Yeah. But yeah, listeners, go give Wee May some love. As you can tell, she is just so wise. And we are just so thankful for your time, Wee May. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for the light-filled work that you are doing in the world. Thank you, Wendy. All right, listeners, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. As we wrap up here, don't forget to DM me the word shift or head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free discipline quick start learning bundle. You'll get immediate access to download our extensive learning guide where I'll share five ways you can ditch the old school hand-me-down punishment mindset beliefs and thoughts that are causing you to react like a volcano instead of respond like the firm, 
kind, respectful teacher you are at your core. And then you'll also get immediate access to my on-demand workshop where I'll teach you our three core Fresh Start family strategies that make up a strong, compassionate, disciplined toolkit, as well as my favorite logical consequences that not only work with kids of all ages, but do wonders to unite you with your child and strengthen your relationship, even in your kids' worst moments. So pop on over to Instagram right now and just shoot me a DM with the word shift and I'll send you a personal link to download that bundle right away. Or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to get access immediately. All right. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you inside that free bundle and also inside the next episode. For links and more info about everything we talked about in today's episode, head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash 146. For more information, go to freshstartfamilyonline.com. Thanks for listening, families. Have a great day.